0: Chapters eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen of Ruth Hall by Fanny Fern This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Deborah Knight. Chapter eleven Time flew on, seasons came and went, and still peace brooded, like a dove, under the roof of Harry and Ruth each bright summer morning ruth and the little daisy who already partook of her mother's love for nature rambled hand in hand through the woods and fields with a wholesome disregard of those city bugbears sun dew bogs fences briars and cattle wherever a flower opened its blue eye in the rock cleft wherever the little stream ran babbling and sparkling through the emerald meadow where the golden moss piled up its velvet cushion in the cool woods where the pretty clematis threw the graceful arms of youth round the gnarled trunk of decay where the bearded grain swaying to and fro tempted to its death the reaper where the red and white clover dotted the meadow grass, or where in the damp marsh the poor whippoorwill moaned and the crimson lobelia nodded its regal crown, or where the valley smiled in its beauty neath the lofty hills, nestling mid its foliage the snow-white cottages, or where the cattle dozed under the broad green branches, or bent to the glassy lake to drink or where the breezy hilltops, the voices of childhood came up, sweet and clear, as the far-off hymning of angels, there Ruth and her soul's child loved to linger. It was beautiful, yet fearful, to mark the kindling eye of the child, to see the delicate flush come and go on her marble cheek, and to feel the silent pressure of her little hand, when this alone could tell the rapture she had no words to express ah ruth gaze not so dotingly on those earnest eyes know'st thou not the rose that sweetest doth awake will soonest go to rest end of chapter eleven chapter twelve well said the doctor taking his spectacles from his nose and folding them up carefully in their leathern case I hope you'll be easy, Miss Hall, now that we've toted out here, bag and baggage, to please you, when I suppose I was settled for the rest of my life. Fathers can't be expected to have as much natural affection or to be as self-sacrificing as mothers, said the old lady. Of course it was some trouble to move out here, but for Harry's sake I was willing to do it. What does Ruth know about housekeeping? I'd like to know. A pretty muss she'll make of it if I'm not around to oversee things. It strikes me, retorted the doctor, that you won't get any thanks for it, from one side of the house at least. Ruth never says anything when you vex her, but there's a look in her eye which, well, Miss Hall, it tells the whole story. I've seen it said the old lady while her very cap strings fluttered with indignation and it has provoked me a thousand times more than if she had thrown a brick bat at my head that girl is no fool doctor she knows very well what she is about but diamond cut diamond I say doctor doctor there are the hens in the garden I want that garden kept nice "'I suppose Ruth thinks that nobody can have flowers but herself. "'Wait till my chinisters and sweet-peas come up. "'I'm going over to-day to take a peep round her house. "'I wonder what it looks like. "'Stuck full of gimcracks of all sorts, I'll warrant. "'Well, I shan't furnish my best parlor till I see what she has got. "'I've laid by a little money, and—' "'Better give it to the missionaries, Miss Hall,' growled the doctor. I tell you, Ruth, don't care a pin what you have in your parlor. Don't you believe it, said the old lady. Well, anyhow, muttered the doctor, you can't get the upper hand of her in that line, i.e., if she has a mind, that you shall not. Harry is doing a very good business, and you know very well it is no use to try to blind your eyes to it, that if she wanted Queen Victoria's sceptre, he'd manage to get it for her that's more than i can say of you exclaimed the old lady fanning herself violently for all that i used to mend your old saddle-bags and once made with my own hands a pair of leather small clothes to ride horseback in forty years doctor i've spent in your service i don't look much as i did when you married me i was said then to have a woman's seven beauties including the dimple in the chin which i see still remains and the old lady pointed to a slight indentation in her wrinkled face. I might have had him that was Squire Smith, or Pete Packer, or Jim Jessop. There wasn't one of them who had not rather do the chores on our farm than on any other in the village. "'Poo, poo,' said the doctor. "'Don't be an old fool. That was because your father kept good cider.' Mrs. Hall's cap-strings were seen flying the next minute through the sitting-room, and the doctor was heard to mutter, as she banged the door behind her, That tells the whole story. End of Chapter 12 Chapter 13 A summer-house, eh? said the old lady, as with stealthy, cat-like steps she crossed a small piece of woods between her house and Ruth's. "'A summer-house. That's the way the money goes, is it? "'What have we here? A book.' "'Picking up a volume, which lay half-hidden in the moss at her feet. "'Poetry, I declare. The most frivolous of all reading. All pencil-marked. "'And here's something in Ruth's own handwriting. That's poetry, too. "'Worse and worse.' "'Well, we'll see how the kitchen of this poetess looks. "'I will go into the house the back way and take them by surprise. "'That's the way to find people out. "'None of your company faces for me.' "'And the old lady peered curiously through her spectacles, "'on either side, as she passed along towards the kitchen door, "'and exclaimed, as her eye fell on the shining row, six milk-pans! "'Wonder if they buy their milk or keep a cow!' if they buy it it must cost them something if they keep a cow i've no question the milk is half wasted the old lady passed her skinny forefinger across one of the pans examining her finger very minutely after the operation and then applied the tip of her nose to the interior of it There was no fault to be found with that milk-pan, if it was Ruth's. So, scrutinizing two or three dish-towels, which were hanging on a line to dry, she stepped cautiously up to the kitchen door. A tidy, respectable-looking black woman met her on the threshold, her woolly locks bound with a gay-striped bandana and her ebony face shining with irresistible good-humor. "'Is Ruth in?' said the old lady. "'Who, missus?' said Dinah. "'Ruth! "'Mrs. Hall lives here,' answered Dinah, with a puzzled look. "'Exactly,' said the old lady. "'She is my son's wife.' "'Oh, I beg your pardon, missus,' said Dinah, curtsying respectfully. "'I never heard her name called Ruth afore. "'Massa calls her Bird and Sunbeam.' "'The old lady frowned. "'Is she at home?' she repeated, with stately dignity. "'No,' said Dinah. Mrs. has gone rambling off in the woods with little Daisy. She's powerful, fond of flowers and things. She climbs fences like a squirrel. It makes this child laugh to see the old farmer stare at her. You must have a great deal to do here, said the old lady, frowning. Ruth isn't much of a hand at housework. Plenty to do, Mrs., and willing hands to do it dinah don't care how hard she works if she don't work to the tune of a lash and mrs hall goes singin' about the house so that it makes time fly she don't ever help you any does she said the persevering old lady lord bless you yes missis she comes right in and makes a pie for massa harry or cooks a steak just as easy as she pulls off a flour and when dinah's cooking anything new she asks more questions how it's done than this child can answer you have a great deal of company i suppose that must make you extra trouble i should think people riding out from the city to supper when you are all through and cleared away don't it tire you no mrs hall takes it easy she laughs merry and says to the company "'You get tea enough in the city, so I shan't give you any. "'We had tea long ago, but here's some fresh milk "'and some raspberries and cake, "'and if you can't eat that, you ought to go hungry.' "'She irons Harry's shirts, I suppose,' said the old lady. "'She? Spose this child let her? "'When she's so careful, too, of old Dinah's bones?' "'Well,' said the old lady, foiled at all points, "'I'll walk over the house a bit, I guess. "'I won't trouble you to wait on me, Dinah.' "'And the old lady started on her exploring tour. "'End of Chapter 13 "'Chapter 14 "'This is the parlour, hey?' "'soliloquized old Mrs. Hall, "'as she seated herself on the sofa. "'A few dollars laid out here, I guess. "'Not so fast, my dear madame. "'Examine closely.' those long white curtains looped up so prettily from the open windows are plain cheap muslin but no artist could have disposed their folds more gracefully the chairs and sofas also ruth covered with her own nimble fingers the room has the fragrance of a greenhouse to be sure but if you examine the flowers which are scattered so profusely round you will find they are wild flowers which ruth basket in hand climbs many a stone fence every morning to gather and not a country boy in the village knows their hiding-places as well as she see how skilfully they are arranged with what an eye to the blending of colors how dainty is that little tulip-shaped vase with those half-open wild rose-buds see that little gilt saucer containing only a few tiny green leaves yet mark their exquisite shape and finish there are some wood anemones some white with a faint blush of pink at the petals and others blue as little daisy's eyes and see that velvet moss with its gold star blossoms must take a deal of time to gather and fix em muttered the old lady yes my dear madam but better pay the shoemakers than the doctor's bill better seek health in hunting live flowers than ruin it by manufacturing those german worsted abortions you should see your son harry as he ushers a visitor in through the low doorway and stands back to mark the surprised delight with which he gazes upon ruth's little fairy room you should see how harry's eyes glisten as they pass from one flower vase to another saying who but ruth would ever have spied out that tiny little blossom and little daisy has caught the flower mania too and every day she must have her vase in the collection now withdrawing a rose and replacing it with a violet and then stepping a pace or two back and looking at it with her little head on one side as knowingly as an artist looks at the finishing touches to a favorite picture but my dear old lady we beg pardon we are keeping you too long from that china closet which you are so anxious to inspect hoping to find another flaw either in crockery or cake not a bit you may draw those prying fingers across the shelves till you are tired and not a particle of dust will adhere to them neither cups saucers tumblers nor plates stick to your hands the sugar bowl is covered the cake in that tin pail is fresh and light the preserves in those glass jars tied down with brandy papers are clear as amber, and the silver might serve for a looking-glass, in which you could read your own vexation. Never mind, a great many people will keep the first floor, spick and span. Mayhap you'll find something wrong upstairs. Walk in, tis the best chamber. A gilt arrow is fastened to the wall, and pretty white lace curtains are thrown, tent fashion, over it there is a snow white quilt and a pair of plump tempting pillows the furniture and carpet are of a light cream color and there is a vase of honeysuckle on the little light stand nothing could be more faultless you see now step into the nursery the floor is strewed with playthings thank God there's a child in the house there is a broken doll a torn picture book a little wreath of oak leaves a dandelion chain some willow tassels a few acorns a little red shoe full of parti-colored pebbles the wing of a little bluebird two little speckled eggs on a tuft of moss and a little orphan chicken nestling in a basket of cotton wool in the corner Then there is a work-basket of Ruth's, with a little dress of daisies, partly finished, and a dicky of Harry's, with the needle still sticking in it, which the little gypsy wife intends finishing when she comes back from her wood ramble. The old lady begins to think she must give it up, when, luckily, her eye falls on a crouching Venus in the corner. Saints and angels! Why, she has never been to the dressmakers! There's a text now! What a pity there is no appreciative audience to see the glow of indignation with which those half-averted eyes regard the undraped goddess. Oh, Harry, is this the end of all my teachings? Well, it is all Ruth's doings, all Ruth's doings. Harry is to be pitied, not blamed. And the old lady takes up, at length, her triumphant march for home. End of chapter 14